0: Welcome to Episode 2 of End of the Line, Alexander J. Cassatt and the Pennsylvania Railroad. In the first episode, I shared with you the motivation for this podcast. In this episode, I'll share the author's motivation for writing this book. First, about the author. Patricia Talbot Davis lived in Haverford, Pennsylvania, near the same commuter station A.J. Cassatt used daily. She was returning to college to take a graduate degree in history at Bryn Mawr. While studying for her degree, she had an equally profitable education as a researcher for the late Catherine Drinker Bowen. This is her third book. When not in Haverford, she spent her time between England, as a passionate Anglophile, and Cape May, New Jersey, where the Davises had a summer home. She was married to a Philadelphia newspaper editor and was the mother of three daughters. The cover flap provides a compelling summary of End of the Line. In 1899, when Alexander Johnston Cassatt became the seventh president of the Pennsylvania Railroad, the locomotive was king. No single industrial force did more to develop America than the railroad. And no railroad was more innovative, more efficient, more brilliantly run than the Pennsylvania. In Cassatt the man and the moment were joined. Rarely in its 120-year history was the Pennsylvania managed by a president who combined Cassatt's foresight, integrity, and engineering and administrative genius. He gave the Pennsylvania and railroading its finest hour. This is the story of how he did it, from the pioneering roundhouses of Altoona after the Civil War, to the freewheeling business of Philadelphia's Broad Street boardroom. No Horatio Alger, Cassatt, well-born, well-bred, well-educated, could hold his own with any robber-baron. He enjoyed the good life, fine horses, luxurious travel, a yacht, four mansions, all the prerequisites of privilege. Much as he loved the Pennsylvania, He still craved the life of a country squire. At the height of his power he surprised both his critics and admirers by retiring from the railroad for seventeen years. When he reluctantly returned to head the Pennsylvania in 1899, he created his road's most enduring triumph. His was the hand which drove the Pennsylvania under the Hudson River into the pink granite Roman monument in the heart of Manhattan a two-hundred-million-dollar engineering marvel called The Eighth Wonder of the World. He challenged Rockefeller and Carnegie, won the confidence of Teddy Roosevelt and J.P. Morgan, bested Gold and Vanderbilt, but not without paying a heavy cost. In an age when neither business nor government accepted any restraints on the pursuit of profit, Cassatt imposed his own standards. It's all gone now his empire, his station, the distinctive red cars bearing the Pennsylvania Railroad logo, and even the memory of the man who fought corruption, competition, other railroad men, even the public, to bring his road to the pinnacle of success. Today the name Cassatt, if remembered at all, is associated with his artist sister, Mary, not with the railroad. He deserves better, And this account attempts to accord him his rightful place in the railroad annals of America. Our next step, then, in introducing the book is to share with you the author's acknowledgments. Here are the words of Patricia Talbot Davis. A biographer's delight is an unheralded hero, and such is Alexander Johnston Cassatt. I owe my discovery of this railroad pioneer to his granddaughter, Lois Cassatt Thayer, who urged me to read through her family letters. Without her encouragement, support, and reminiscences, this book would never have been attempted. Not only did she allow me unquestioned access to her collection of family letters and memorabilia, but she spent many hours talking about her grandfather, evoking his personality, character, and accomplishments. Her tales of travel on the Pennsylvania Railroad in the President's private car prior to the New York Tunnel Extension were invaluable. The dedication of this book can in no way repay my immense debt to her. A few months before publication, Mrs. John B. Thayer died, assured that her grandfather's story would be told. Other members of the Cassatt Thayer family were helpful to me during the research. Mrs. W. West-Fraser escorted me around her great-grandfather's 600-acre farm, Chesterbrook, now to become a developer's tract. John B. Thayer IV loaned books on railroad history. Charles W. Hare visited Harvard's library to search through financial records. Mrs. J. Norman Henry offered unrestricted use of other Cassatt letters. Robert McGuire, a historian and writer, read every word of the manuscript, and gave gentle but trenchant criticism. He was also of great assistance in securing permission for the reproduction of Mary Cassatt's portraits of her brother and sister-in-law through the artist's chief cataloger, Adeline Briskin. Jacques de Spelberg combined the talents of editor and agent. A stern taskmaster, but a sympathetic listener, when despair threatened to overwhelm me. Gerald Lombardi gave much-needed direction in the final stages of preparation. Barbara Rex took me firmly in hand when the frustrations of revision and organization seemed insurmountable. Let us see him, she insisted, advice of incalculable worth to a novice who often forgot that Cassatt was a stranger to many. Thomas C. Cochran, an authority on railroad history, offered books and discussed thorny questions. I'm also grateful for the loan of volumes from his railroad collection. Keith Doms, director of the Free Library of Philadelphia, and his assistant, R.S. Rosenstiel, far exceeded the responsibility of librarians in providing material and photographs. William Green, the Free Library's custodian of newspaper files, was more than cooperative. Charles Martin and Wayne Kessler of the Philadelphia Bulletin Library searched for and supplied the necessary newspaper accounts of the period. William Fadati of the Bulletin Sports Staff explained racing in clear terms. Authors Nicholas von Hoffman, Nancy Hale, and Nathaniel Burt were very generous. Edwin P. Roser, an engineer, read the tunnel chapter for technical accuracy, although any mistakes must be laid to my door, not his. Bayard Roberts allowed me to read the correspondence of his grandfather, George P. Roberts, Cassatt's predecessor. For many years, the Pennsylvania Railroad shunned the efforts of historians to tell its story. Although much has been written about the history of the railroads in America, the Pennsylvania has been largely ignored. William Lashley, former vice-president of the Penn Central, cooperated fully with my requests to search in the 49th Street warehouse— which housed over 100 years of Pennsylvania records. Cecil Muldoon, another Penn Central executive and longtime railroad student, provided information on the New York tunnel extension. Vincent Stamato, clerk in the president's office, was unfailing in his cheerful willingness to delve into dusty stockpiles at the warehouse. He found and supplied the Cassatt letter books of presidential correspondence, heretofore unexamined by historian or biographer. Armand Martorelli provided the annual reports of the Pennsylvania for the vital years. Jacqueline Hammerschmidt and Georgiana Snyder uncomplainingly typed and retyped the manuscript. Through the three years of research and writing, my husband, Dale Davis, and my daughters, if at times impatient with my preoccupation, proved long-suffering and understanding. For any omissions to this catalogue of gratitude—and there must be many— I apologize. In the long months of travail, which a biographer endures in pursuit of the subject, sustenance and encouragement come from many sources. For all this aid and comfort, I am indeed thankful. In Episode 3, we'll delve into the introduction of End of the Line, Alexander J. Cassatt and the Pennsylvania Railroad.